Hey, Andy Jenkins here with episode number 16 of the Warrior Hope podcast. And here I hope you saw the picture, the screen grab that we put there every time I'm introducing the podcast. This one was of Rambo. Now, I couldn't talk to Rambo, so what I did is the next best thing, and I talked, spoke with my friend Scott Landreth. Now, Scott is Rambo's owner, master. Uh, Scott served in the U.S. Army from 1975 until 1982, and straight up, here it is. Due to the classified nature of many of his missions, he can't tell you or me a whole lot other than he was stationed in several stateside locations, as well as Greece, Germany, and several other undisclosed places. Now, I met Scott when he walked through the doors of one of our meetings, one of our Centers of Hope gatherings. I did that with Rambo. By the way, if you're looking for those meetings, we've been doing the Zoom meetings online since the entire quarantine and COVID kind of ramped back up in the summer. And that's something that even when we're doing uh, in-person meetings, which is how the entire thing began, we're going to continue doing that. And so I'm going to put a link down in the show notes where you can just kind of look and find a center of hope if you or someone you know that's a veteran uh, is looking for a place just to connect up and get some tools that are going to empower them to find healing from the past and hope and a mission going forward into the future. Anyway, Scott walks through the doors of one of the in-person meetings and he comes in with Rambo, the service dog that's in the picture. Scott acquired Rambo after, I, I think it was about four decades of living and enduring traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress all on his own. Now, briefly, the difference between those is post-traumatic stress is an emotional, uh, mental wound. Um, It's internal. Traumatic brain injury is actually a physical wound. And often, uh, traumatic brain injury will be accompanied by post-traumatic stress because, I mean, a wound that damages the brain, you got to think that had to be something big that had to be something you endured, it could cause post-traumatic stress. They're they're two different things. They often accompany each other. Uh, We talk about that in the book, Warrior Hope. I'll put a link down to that in the show notes too. So if you want more information, I'll put places where you can find that. Here's what Scott says. After four decades post-deployment, struggling on his own, he says, Rambo, that dog brought healing to me and gave me my freedom back. Then, after describing how Rambo did that in in this episode that you're about to hear, he adds this. He says that Rambo also gave my wife her freedom. You see, she was no longer stuck at home having to wait on me and being afraid that if she left, I might hurt myself or I might have a panic attack or some kind of episode. So he, that dog, brought healing and hope and wholeness to me and to her. And and listen in because Scott's actually going to say this, Rambo is like an extension of me. He and I are really one person. And and this is why you don't just go up to a service dog and pet the dog any more than you would just go up to a human being and pet the human being. You know, you, you greet the human, you shake the human's hand, but you don't talk to the human's appendage or to you. You're going to make complete sense of that 
as you listen to this story. So in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about service dogs of Alabama, what service dogs do, how to get a service dog if you need a dog or someone you know how to apply and go through that. It's a lengthy, detailed process because the things that dogs can do are absolutely phenomenal. We're going to talk about what it means to have an animal that can read your mood, that can know when and how to get your back, like get get behind you, or as soldiers, warriors would say, veterans would say, get your six. Uh, how you can have a dog and what it means to have an animal that can awaken you when you're sleeping and having a nightmare. Uh, what it means to have an animal that can handle dozens of tasks that you might not be able to do yourself, like something as simple as reaching down and picking up a business card or opening a door. What it means to have an animal that can understand which people around you are safe and which ones aren't. Now, that said, without further ado, let me let you meet my friend and maybe his dog's there present. I don't think the dog actually makes a cameo bark. Scott Landreth and Rambo. All right, so I'm here with my friend Scott Landreth. Now, Scott has a unique distinction in that every time we do the Centers of Hope meetings, Scott always has this guest that gets more attention not only more attention than him, but more attention than anybody else in the room. That guest is always Rambo. That is his dog uh, that always comes in there. Uh, Scott, tell me about Rambo really quickly. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Uh, Rambo has been fantastic. We just uh, celebrated our fourth year together. Okay. And Rambo is for mobility assistance. He's also for fall alert, uh, PTSD alert, seizure alert, night terrors. He picks up like items. Five or six different things there. Yes. And so, and he picks up items for me to keep me from falling and opens and closes doors. He'll even give me the clothes out of the dryer. Oh, wow. Okay. So it sounds like Rambo is kind of, um, for lack of a better term, he's part therapist, part uh, scheduling reminder, part executive assistant, part uh, pal, part, I mean, you know, filling all these gaps. Um, what kind of dog is Rambo? What he is, is a chocolate dream? lab. Okay. Chocolate lab. Mm-hmm. Now tell me about this. When you first came back from deployment, you did not have Rambo. And no. uh, let's talk about what de- what it was like post-deployment when you came back with no Rambo. And then what I want to do is after we kind of explain to everybody what that was like, maybe talk about what led you to um, acquiring Rambo. And then what, what the difference has been since then. So take me back, you know, from deployment, tell me where you were deployed and what it was like when you came home. I was, um, overseas. I was in a classified high explosives unit. Um, during that time we were, had a corporate mission and I ended up with a TBI traumatic brain injury okay um 
at that time, back it was back in the mid seventies when all of this happened. Um, a lot of people didn't understand the PTSD back then, but with the TBI created seizures and I ended up being medically discharged. Coming out of the service, it's really hard because when we're in the service, we always have that one person we know has our back. Yeah. We know that person, we trust that person. And when we come out from deployment, we don't have that person. I have that person in Rambo. He turns around and he will let me know what's around me, yeah. what's going on around me. So where were you serving? Well, at the time that the, the mission that we had, um, I was still, it was still classified. Yeah. And so I, at this time, have still not been released to say that information. Okay. Still can't say, okay. So it's a classified area back. Uh, right. Then you, you were talking like you came back in the seventies is right. Is that correct? You're right. It was, okay. um, I joined at the end of Vietnam. Okay. And then, um, after Vietnam, and there was some steals, there were some things that went on around the country, around yeah. the world that happened. And I was in one of the deployments uh, yeah. in one of the classified settings. Okay. Yeah. And so I won't ask any more questions about that. We'll just kind of table that. Um, yeah. Kind of painting the picture. So you come back in the, in the 70s. So you, it, it seems like, was Rambo the first, I guess for lack of a better term, he's a support dog. Um, was he the first one that you had? Right. After I came back, um, I still didn't, there was a lot of things that happened. I ended up getting married, but my wife could see some changes in me. Um, later on, I had, um, I had to go back in and have a, um, work done on my neck and my spinal cord was hit. Okay. So we have that to deal with as well. Uh, Rambo came along after that. My spinal doctor said that I should look into getting a, a service dog at that point. Okay. And then I just started working with Rambo and all. And so Rambo is always at my side. He's an extension of me. So it's, it seems like you came back uh, late 70s, 80s, 90s thousands um basically 40 years plus really on your own you and your wife trying to figure this out obviously some medical attention and some other things but coming back with post-traumatic stress disorder which is a, an emotional hurt um tbi traumatic brain injury a, a physical injury that often accompanies post-traumatic stress 40 years doing this on your own, maybe paint the picture for me of what it was like for your wife during that time. Cause it, it doesn't seem like that would have been an easy road for you or an easy road for her either. No, it, it's not. And that's the, the big thing with post-traumatic stress is we shovel away from everybody 
even the people that we love. We just okay. don't want to deal with anybody. That's part of the problem. And so we have to figure out how are we going to turn it around. And my wife, we just couldn't figure it out together. She would say that she still, I would go to that place, that dark place where I felt safer there. And don't have to come back to the world because the world doesn't understand what we've been through. Right. And so we miss that, that partner that we had in the military that always had our back. And that's what we've been missing to where we could function normally and function fully and have a successful life. When you talk about functioning fully and uh, functioning successfully, what are some of the things that maybe you experienced when you're back home after deployment that the average person that's not been deployed, not been to war, just, just the average person that's every, every week working 50, 60 hours, working a job and going to little league and taking care of their family, you know, doing uh, all the amazing things that we get to do being in a, a free country because we have a strong military that defends and protects and looks out for us, even in times like you were deployed in a place that's classified that we didn't even know you were working on our behalf. So, right. I guess my question is what is, what is, what are the things that people that benefit from that, that enjoy the freedoms because of that? What, what are some of the things that maybe you experienced when you came back that we would not recognize, but once you explained them, like it would help us understand more of what you're talking about. Well, people do not understand. We have a, the military has its own way of doing things. Okay. And when we come out, we're so used to that way of doing things. And it's a different language. It's, it's a totally different world. And people don't realize that when we come out, we try to function and this is, people don't realize that we're there and we, we did our job, we did it proudly, we loved it, but they were safe because of what we did. But on the other hand, people say that they understand when they really do not understand the full story. That's the hardest thing is people saying these false sentences of, we understand, we know where you've been, we know what you've gone through, when they do not have an, any idea of what the average military person that's been in a combat zone has gone through. Yeah. I hope that's what you're trying to yeah, no, I was just trying to just get you to flesh it out a, a little bit, maybe describe it just kind of in, in ways that, you know, might people help people understand that. Um, and, and that kind of makes sense. I, I, I guess it's like that, that whole uh, very simplistic statement, you know, it, 
you really can't understand somebody unless you've walked a mile in their shoes. And until you've actually been there, done it, had the t-shirt, the battle scars, the wounds, been in that environment, experienced, there and, really and, is no way to. And with veterans, they think talking with other veterans, I can sit there and tell them truthfully, yeah, you know, what have you gone through? I, I have an idea of what you went through but I do not know exactly what that veteran has gone through. But I have an idea based on what I've gone through. Right. That's how I think the veterans can get along so well is because we don't just, oh, I know what you went through, get over it. No, we have no idea. We have an idea, you know, I don't know what he went through. And that's where a lot of veterans shut down is because people just sit there and tell a veteran, yeah, we know how you, what you went through. We, we got an idea, you know? Yeah. And they have no idea of what right. that veteran's gone through. Yeah. That, that makes sense. And I guess maybe a lot of times people probably well intended say, I mean, honestly, probably stupid things that they they don't mean them to be stupid or naive or a little bit short-sighted, but you get into a situation like that and they just don't know what to say. Um, and sometimes just the tension of the awkward quiet would be better, perhaps. Yeah, sometimes it would be better um, because you don't know what you're trying to you're, you're taking a veteran and pushing him down further by saying you should be okay because I have an idea. Of, I know what you've gone through. Yeah. And they don't. Yeah. I'm okay, boy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Rambo's alert. <laughs> well, I, I mean, well, we can bring that up. I mean, now if he's reacting, because I, I remember one time we were in the Centers of Hope meeting, where which Centers of Hope for people that are listening is um, that – it's, it's the weekly gathering where we teach through the warrior hope curriculum. I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes here. That's where I met Scott and, and Rambo. Uh, Scott came in one day with Rambo. Of course, Rambo was completely welcome there. He's a service dog. And, uh, and I remember you were talking, Scott, and whenever we would watch, we had, we had these little video testimonials of other veterans that were talking about whatever topics were related to the, uh, the lesson that evening and some of those, you know, the veteran that's giving kind of his story in, in this four to five minute video clip, it would be very emotionally charged. And uh, some of you guys and gals who are veterans, you would, you would resonate with that uh, in a way because you'd walk that same terrain. And I remember one night Rambo, he kind of perked up and, and jumped up and whereas he had been laying down um, in kind of this relaxed space, he jumped up, put himself against you sideways, standing on all fours. And I, and I saw it. And then after that video, we were all talking and he, he laid back down or kind of, I guess, reclined. Mm -hmm. And as you started talking, he perked back up and nestled up against you again. And I remember I asked you, I was like, what's he doing? And you said something like, well, he's kind of reading me 
and he's checking on me and you seem completely fine. There, there was never an instance where you seemed out of control, where you seemed overly emotional, where you seemed like you might lose it. And, and I actually said that. I was like, well, you, you seem fine to me. And you said, I know, but Rambo is so in touch with me that he's just checking on me. And he's just, hey, you okay? And talk to me about that. He is, um, when they're trained for PTSD, they're trained for commands, but then they're, they go on emotion. Okay. So if my anxiety level starts going up, he immediately comes if I'm sitting down and stands up and puts his head on me. He um, does things that he's normally doesn't do to get my attention. Okay. To, to help me break from that that I'm concentrating on or that place that yeah. I'm going to. Into where I focus on him, and then he keeps me from going to that place. So it's kind of like a little kid just kind of yanking at you, going, "Hey, look at me." Is yes. That- I've been in church where he just got up and started walking down the aisle away from me to get my attention because I was I was my anxiety level was going up. Yeah. And so he does these things, and the people that are around me now, because Rambo is like an extension of me. Yeah. And so we're so in tune to each other now that when he does things, we automatically know, okay, what's going on with me? And I have to stop, think, settle down. If I'm on my computer, uh, he will put his head on the keyboard to keep me from going to those places, reading things on the computer. Um, but that's what a lot of veterans don't have is the help to keep us from going to those places. Okay. So, so you said that when you were, it was a, I guess it was a medical doctor that 40 years ish post deployment told you, Hey, you might ought to check into a service dog. Yeah, it was um, after the surgery that went bad also. Yeah, that's when it really really had to check into it. Okay. So when somebody says, hey, check into a service dog, where do you go from there? Like, what's the next step? Because you're, you're, you know, doing life, obviously, you know, lots of struggles. You've made no secret about that with PTSD and TBIs, traumatic brain injuries. That's physical injuries from uh, deployment and, you know, the emotional just drain and draw and nightmares, night terrors. Um, You're going through 40 years and surgeries, every other thing. A medical doctor says, check into a service dog. What was the next step at that point? I didn't know. (laughs) somebody told me to go get a service dog i'd be like it's not like you can just drive down to walmart or the gas station and grab one yes and you go out and we have so many people these things that aggravate me we have so many people that says oh this dog would be perfect for a service dog well they're going to give a veteran a dog 
Yeah. Well, the, the dog is not fully trained, so we have a veteran that has PTSD, possible other emotional problems or physical problems that have enough on their plate to try to deal with. Now they have a dog that they're going to have to train or get trained as well. <laughs> so I looked and tried to find organizations that had dogs. And I ran across in the state of Alabama here is Service Dogs Alabama. Okay, I'm going to put your link in the show notes. Do you have their website handy? Uh, if yeah, not, yeah, it's servicedogsalabama.org. Okay, easy. All right. So we we go and I talk to them. Now, there's other organizations out there. I've checked on so many. But I sort of kept being pulled to this one. And I, I checked it out. Had to do the application. That's the first step for the veteran. The veteran has to take the initiative to put in the application. And then once they do that, then they will let you know if you're approved. And once you're approved, then it's, they start working on the dog. Okay. And it takes some time. That's the biggest part is we've always been told in the military, hurry up, wait, hurry up, wait. Well, you've got to hurry up, get the paperwork filled out. Now you gotta wait. It's yeah. Just like the military. <laughs> Hurry up and but wait. wait and so, when we are going through this, I now volunteer with Service Dogs Alabama with the Veterans Program to where I can talk with these veterans that they've been approved and they're just waiting on the dog. So I can tell them, I've been there. It takes some time. Yeah. It's take, especially with this. COVID-19 stuff that's going on all and everything shut down. It's messing everything up. But when we get these dogs to the veteran and we do the public access testing with them and then we hear back from them later and they do so much more with their life because they can sit down with their back to the open. And I know You've got a lot of veterans that are listening to this that goes, that's going, oh, no, there's no way I could put my back to the open, you know. And I can because Rambo will tell me what's going on around me. He's got my six. Yeah. I, so, I, that's, uh, so let's go back. I've got some other questions related to that. But how long did it take you from the time you find Service Dogs of Alabama until the time that you – meet Rambo not not until the time that he comes home but until the time that you meet him so you put in the application and then it takes approximately right now there is right at two years okay so that and to, to meet the dog or to get the dog into your home yeah yeah to to meet the dog meet the dog okay and then you and usually when you're meeting them then you're there with them from then on okay so you talked about this public access testing. Uh, so I guess Service Dogs of Alabama trains these dogs specifically uh, because, you know, your dog, Rambo, I've, I've met a couple dogs at the Centers of Hope, actually. Some of the dogs uh, can wake guys up from night terrors. Uh, some of the dogs know to lick the veterans 
uh, hand when he's having a nightmare. Some of the dogs know that he can't lick the veteran because whatever sensitivity he has because of skin, because of past injuries, that he's got to just nestle against the sheets or a shirt or something. I mean, like they're highly specialized. Like it's not just any dog can go with any person. Like in, like there's a, which is what I would have thought initially. Like a, a drill is a drill is a drill. A, a you know a, a hammer is a hammer is a hammer. A service dog is a service dog is a service dog. But that's not the case at all. No, and and that's what I really enjoy working with the veterans because. I sit there and tell them, I'm a little bit different than you. I, I have an idea of what you've gone through, but what you've gone through, the dog is going to be for you. And it's trained for what you need, not what I need. Basic commands are pretty much the same, but as far as we have some dogs uh, with Service Dogs Alabama have trained them to where when they st the person stops, the dog automatically turns and watches behind them Yeah, to make sure nobody comes up. And that gives that veteran more power to go out and do things and not have to worry about it. That's the person that's got his back. Yeah. They're each very specialized in their training. The person has to, when this application is everything, the doctor fills out stuff um, to say exactly what they're needing to be okay. done. The veteran has to say, this is what I'd like for him to be able to do to help me more fully. And in my case, I had a list. Oh, I wanted this dog to do everything but make me coffee in the morning. I mean, and they called me and they said, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> You're talking about this dog with clothes and you know, taking care of yeah. laundry. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, and they said, wait a minute, Scott, you got to cut down the list a little bit. You're not going to get the dog to do all this. Yeah, the dog's well, not going to be able to drive the car. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I'm still working on that one, though. <laughs> um, so once I got in came down to reality i'm going okay what do i need specifically this dog to be able to do yeah. and i cut the list down and so once we got it it's strictly he, rambo was trained for me and what i and my needs for being able to get up and get down out of chairs and off couches and all and whatever else i need he's perfect yeah. for me i mean he reads my body language and i read his now it's that's why i love this group so much is because they spend so much time and yes it takes a lot of time but once you get your dog and you've bonded and you've worked through the process you have a fully trained animal you don't have to do any training. You just have to do the upkeep, and that's just going out in public and working with your dog as you're shopping. Right. Well, I, you know, I mean, in the dog, I, this is what was crazy is one night I remember um, if, if people have seen my Instagram story, you know, back from when we were meeting before the COVID things is, you know, I would always come in there. I, I would talk to you, you know, shake hands, whatever. And 
-hmm. Rambo would kind of back off. Like he would give me complete access to you. And then, you know, he would even, uh, you would say, yeah, get on the floor and play with him. And I, I would lay down on the floor and, you know, shoot a video of me literally laying on my stomach on the floor and Rambo would just mimic me. And I would just shoot a, like, shoot a picture. He's there like, you know, head, head beside head, just kind of face to face with this dog. Um, and I, and I would ask you, I was like, what in the world? Like, because there are times when I've seen him when he'll stand to attention and he'll turn around and look right behind you. And seemingly what, what appears to me, no reason. And I've, and I asked you I, one night, I said, what is the deal? Like Rambo, he's so alert and so many times, like he'll nestle up to you or he'll turn around or he'll look around or he'll stand on guard. But when I come to you, he just kind of disappears or he'll float down or he'll, you know, I've never pet him uh, because when they're on duty, you know, with the service dog, you just don't do that. But when I would, you know, get on the floor and take a picture or whatever with, with yeah, I mean, your permission. So people that are listening to this shouldn't just go up to a service dog and, you know, assume, you know, the dog, but I asked you about all that. And you said, well, Rambo, like he's gotten to know you because I've been coming to this class several times and because I know you and now I trust you, he's just reading you and he's kind of borrowed, you know, my credibility. You like, like, like basically you endorsed me. So Rambo knew I was safe. Mm -hmm. And so he would kind of, he would just disarm when I was there with him. Yes. I would give him a, a short command and he immediately knew that, okay, it's time to focus on you. That Somebody else is going to be interacting with him other than me. Yeah. And so it's astounding and, like that they would be that in tune. Yes. But yeah, and, like, and but there was a threat it's, it's, go ahead. It's the same way we have to walk, and a lot of people don't understand why we have to keep them on leashes. Yeah. Well, it's a law to keep them under control unless something, unless that hinders the dog's actions from helping in what they're trained for. But that leash actually, if you look at it a different way, it's like an extension cord to where it's plugged in to Rambo and I. And if he turns his head and my arm pulls a certain way, I know to look down and what, what is he trying to tell me? We're that in tuned. And if you work with your dog, you get that result. And so, yes, all I have to do is give him a word command. And he immediately knows that someone besides me is going to interact with him in some manner. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's astounding that they're able to do that. Well, uh, you know, I've, I've seen service dogs. In fact, I was, uh, I was in Huntsville. That's where my parents live a couple of weeks ago. And a, a lady walked in with a dog that was, uh, he was in training and he had a little, he didn't have the full vest on like Rambo has. He had more of something that looked kind of like a cape and it just said, service dog in training, don't pet me type thing. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I asked her, you know, about him and her and her husband, yeah, they, you know, they were very kind and gracious and they, they apparently take dogs in their home for nine to 12 months at a time and interact with them and said, yeah, it's really hard to give them up. But, you know, they start off with nothing and they graduate to that little 
cape type of vest. And then at some point they get a full work vest, almost like they're, you know, corporate employees and promoted and that sort of thing. Um, but, but she said, yeah, a lot of people, you know, they don't realize and they want to just walk up to these dogs and pet them because they're so well-trained and kind. What is the proper for people that are listening response to a service dog? Like how, how should you respond to a dog? Do you ignore the dog or do you ignore the dog? Especially if there's a team like Rambo and I, okay. uh, if we're out in public, yeah, it's better. A lot of people try to talk to the dog and what they're saying to the dog is actually they're trying to talk to me. Okay. And I'm like, speak to me. You know, if you want to talk to me, talk to me. Yeah. Rambo's there doing his job. He's a medical piece of equipment, you know? And so ignore the, <laughs> animal. Ignore, ignore, ignore the animal because okay. he's a medical piece of equipment. You wouldn't stare at somebody's wheelchair. You wouldn't stare at somebody's cane and talk, have a conversation. Okay. And so, all right. So it, even though you have a meta, uh, even though you have this uh, strong emotional attachment to the dog, which, which I've seen, I mean, you know, like he's a really close friend of yours and for other people's purposes, he's basically a crutch or a cast or a, uh, a wheelchair. Yes. Okay. I mean, that makes sense, which is, I get, which I guess is how I would have treated him until I, obviously I asked you about the dog cause you get there early and we talk and then, you know, you've told me several times, oh, yeah, like, yeah, just say hello to him. And, you know, I mean, which is very different because I'm, I'm not a stranger at that point. Like, that's that's very different than the first time you would approach. So um, ignore the animal is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, talk to me about this. I imagine that when, and this is in your YouTube video, that I'll put a link to that in the show notes from uh, – YouTube for people to look and learn more about you and Rambo. I imagine that when Rambo freed you up to do things that you couldn't do before. So uh, like going to Walmart, I had Sarah Gillum on the podcast a couple episodes ago and she was talking about how going to big wide open spaces where you can't always control all the variables and see behind you is difficult for veterans that have been, in high uh, stress situations, I'll leave it like yes. that. Which, I, which, something that's classified that forty years later you can't even talk about would qualify to me as high stress. So you, you know, Walmart, the Home Depot, uh, big big areas like that. You know, she said for for a lot of veterans that have been in those areas, those those are just no goes like that's something they're not even going to try or going to a restaurant and sitting with your back to the door. That's a no go. But then, you know, all of a sudden you got this dog and you're able to go to the grocery store, which in my mind means that probably it doesn't just free you up, but for a while it, it, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it seems like your wife was probably having to fulfill the role of spouse, loved one, romantic partner, best friend, and do for you all of the things that Rambo now does. 
Um, and more. Yeah, like watch your back, which there's no mm -hmm. way she would even know to do. So mm -hmm. I guess my, my question or statement is, it seems that that dog probably not only gave you your freedom, it all, probably also gave her her freedom. Does, does that yes. That yes, um, receiving Rambo, and and by the way, he also blocks. So when we go into Walmart, we go down an aisle. He will automatically look down the aisle to make sure nobody's coming at me from my blind side. Okay. He looks at every aisle. If we're in a mall, yeah, he goes and goes into the doorway that we're passing, walks it so nobody come, and then he gets back beside me. Okay. So he he blocks people from coming out the side from me blindly. Yeah. Um, but when receiving Rambo and everything that he does, I mean, I've had to wait in parking lots when I finally got my license back. If I drop something, I'd have to wait for somebody to pick up my keys. Okay. Now that I've got Rambo, if I drop something, boom, he reaches down and picks it up, even a business card. Okay. People are oh, like, wow. wow, you know, <laughs> but this, and, and I've gotten in trouble before yeah. because I say that I trust Rambo more sometimes than I do my wife. <laughs> and it's hard. And she understands that he's always here with me. We're always together unless I'm having some sort of medical procedure done. Yeah, and he's not allowed to go into operating rooms. But uh, other than that, um, to see, to get people to understand there's life, if you trust the dog, like you trust that person that was with you in the military and you've worked with him, he will take care of your back. And so you've got the... the the relaxation and uh, I'm still nervous. Everybody will always be a little tense going into these areas, but you're able to relax a little bit more because he's going to watch things that you might miss. Right. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense. And I, and I think, you know, one of the things that's been beneficial for me is, you, you know, you hear this, uh, yeah, I'm almost embarrassed to say this because I actually write a lot and teach a lot about emotions and emotional health and uh, emotional wholeness. And, you know, when people talk about emotional support animals, it, it seems to be one of those things for a while that just kind of seemed, again, it's embarrassing to say, but years ago, it just seemed kind of laughable. Yeah. But once you actually pull back the layers there and understand, okay, there, there probably is some validity to some emotional support of animals, um, which I, I don't understand. I don't have education or experience or haven't read much in that area. But when you start seeing what, you know, animals like Rambo can do that they really, you know, become your hands in certain situations, picking up things that you couldn't pick up, retrieving things. Um, they become kind of your, um, your rear guard, mm -hmm. kind of checking out things behind exactly. you that you couldn't even see. Um, even kind of your forward guard walking ahead of you down the hall, you know, down the aisle, kind of taking a look real quick to make sure, um, uh, 
and and that emotional thing. Like, like well, I've seen him again when we're watching a video, and it seems to be getting to be emotionally tense when he just kind of taps you and checks you, like, "Hey, are you okay, or do you need to reel it back in?" There, there's mm-hmm. so much depth uh, to the scope of what. I mean, it's kind of astounding that somebody figured out animals can actually do this because they function like high functioning adult humans that are highly educated. Yes. Well, as, as we sign off, what is maybe one or two things that you would want other people to know about Rambo or about service dogs or about getting help? Anything that you would want to say? Number one is if a veteran is in the state of Alabama, yeah, and they are looking for and possibly looking at getting a service dog, I would highly recommend getting in touch with Service Dogs Alabama. Okay, they have their website. They up there it has a veteran tab. Pull down, print off the application, and go through the process. Um, they have to take the first step. That's our biggest problem is the veteran doesn't take the first step and they have to, we can't help them until they do. Yeah. And once they are approved, then usually the head trainer or one of the other people will get in touch with me and let me know what's who they are, that they need a home inspection. Um, because they do ha- are required to have to have a home inspection. Um, it's just to make sure that their house is child proof or puppy proof. Um, and to let them know the different things that they're fixing to be involved with. Uh, let them know that the people to, when they see a service dog team, if they're talking, just talk to ignore the dog. If the dog does something suddenly, it's because he's communicating with the person, you know, and just sort of ignore those things because there's a communication going on. I would be more than happy to help any veteran in the state here through any process. Yeah. That's good. There's people, there's, there's yourself and others that are out there that we're willing to help these veterans. And all they got to do is contact us and we're here for them. We'll help them through the process. I'll help any veteran through the process of getting in the, on the list and everything and uh, filling out the paperwork, whatever they need, you know? Yeah. Well, that's quite gracious. What I'll do is uh, we've got our, we've got our contact information here at crosswinds in the show notes there below as well. And so uh, what I would say is if you, if you are a veteran and you're looking to get in touch with Scott, reach out and we'll, we'll, we'll pass you through. And uh, I've, I've put the link to service dogs of Alabama in the show notes. They also have a Facebook page and some other social media uh, contacts there. Uh, Scott, you're on Facebook so they can find you. I'll put a link to your profile there uh, to okay. reach out to you. They can do that. And, um, you know, you can kind of see what they're wanting, uh, before you, you know, accept that request or whatever, but that's, that's very gracious to reach out there. We've also got your YouTube video, uh, in the 
show notes where people can look and they can figure out uh, more information about you and Rambo uniquely. Um, man, I, I would say just thank you so much for, uh, first of all, for your service. And, and you hit the nail on the head. There are things that you have had to go through uh, on our behalf that enable us to do the things that we do now that there's no way we could understand uh, or even comprehend if somebody even explained it to us. And, you know, for every person story that we hear like you, you know, I know there are literally hundreds and thousands of others who have walked the same terrain and have a slightly different story. And so thank you um, for everything that you've done. Uh, secondarily, thank you for sharing this information and being so honest and transparent about your story and about what uh, the journey has meant for you and where it's taken you and for offering others uh, what may be a light at the end of a, of a very long dark tunnel um, that may help them uh, with looking out potentially for a service dog. Um, my final question, I guess, is if there are people that need the service dog, is there a medical requirement or is that all covered in the application process? There is a, uh, now a service dog, there's differences real quick. Um, emotional support animals are mainly for group of people. They bring joy to a lot of different people. Um, therapy dogs are a group of people. A service dog is trained specifically to perform tasks for okay. a single in individual and you have a you have a task dog yes i have the task dog he performs multiple i mean he's got about 30 things that he does for me yeah so he really and we work with those every day when we're out and about or in the house whatever um if the veteran would just reach out yeah there's help there's hands that are we're all reaching out service dogs alabama would love to work with them i would love to work with them through service dogs alabama whatever we can do to help the veteran we're here yourself and others we're we're just reaching out trying to help yeah well thank you for that scott again thank you for Everything you've done past, present, the journey you're taking in the future. Uh, I look forward to all of this uh, quarantine and everything being over so we can uh, get back together again soon and uh, talk, hang out with you and Rambo there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, thank you, Scott.